0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer. Welcome to another fantastic interview. I'm really excited to interview Michael O'Brien. He is an inspirational speaker, and Michael is a guest on he's a guest on so many shows, podcasts, etc. He's a TEDx speaker, um, and he's on a quest to help 1 million people have their last bad day. (laughs) I love that, right? Anybody who's a positive positive motivational thinker and and just wants to live their life that way, this is gonna be a great interview for you. As a corporate coach, Michael elevates successful leaders by helping them prevent bad moments from turning into bad days. Boy, we all all have those. Before launching into his coaching career, Michael experienced a life-altering event that shattered his worldview. On July 11, 2001, he was struck head-on by a speeding SUV while out on a training bike ride. Now, Michael considers that his last bad day, and one of his best because it helped him shift his perspective in almost every aspect of his life and career, Michael's Peloton helped him get back on the bike and into the corporate executive suite, all while transforming from a human doer to a human being. (laughs) Love that. Michael shares his journey in his best-selling memoir, Shift, creating better tomorrows, and he donates all the proceeds to the World Bicycle Relief, a foundation which mobilizes people through the power of bicycles. Michael, how are you today? Pretty good, Captain Jim. Thanks for having me on, man. My pleasure. So um, a couple things. I mean, you know, I don't know how much you know about my background, but it, but probably my, I don't, I, I can't tell you it was my last bad day, but, you know, I lost my job when I still had four teenagers at home in 2000 and in July of 2001, that's what struck me. Um, that's when I first got diagnosed with cancer.
2: Yeah. And
1: then I, you know, all kinds of challenges, starting my first business, et cetera. So, our timeframes are are pretty interesting. Oh, and the final thing when I was reading your bio, there is I, I spent about twenty five years in the bicycle industry, so
2: it's about time we met. It's about time the universe has finally brought us together, man. It, it took it took eighteen years, but heck, we're we're here now, which is pretty cool.
1: That's right, and you know it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, we all can you know sometimes have a bad day or have bad moments, as you say. But I tell people all the time, and some of that came out of my you know. First of all, surviving the cancer and everything else. Every day I get up and put my feet on the ground is a good
2: day. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. And that's how, that's sort of how I got to that spot where every, for me, every day I put my feet on the ground. But also the, at the end of the day, when the head hit the pillow, like really having a gratitude practice that I was disciplined about really helped me see the good things in my life.
0: You so know, because,
2: yeah. Cause I've had, I've had bad moments since my last bad day, but I never want to give those bad moments any more fuel or any more energy than they deserve because it's so easy for them to cascade into something much bigger that, you know, bad day or more than, more than one bad day.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I look, I, I call what I went through my season of crisis lasted almost two years. And, um, I read this book, interestingly enough, I think it was called The Seven Seasons of the Man in the Mirror. It's pretty close to that.
2: Yeah.
1: And and season three is your season of crises. And um, not to get all religious, but God will sometimes bring you to your knees in order to kind of rebuild you. And the way I was reading the book, it was almost like, you know, the old days of Marine drill sergeants. You know, they they tear you down in order to build (laughs) Build
2: you back up. Yeah, yeah. Or just in the spirit, like, you know, he only gives you what you can handle, right? So he, uh, and, you know, yeah, so sometimes for for me, like, my accident really was this incredible pause button. Now looking back on it, an incredible pause button to say, hey, how do you want to live your life going forward? How do you want to manage your career? Because the message was, the way you were living it, eh, it's going to cause you some problems downstream, so... Yeah, I call it my last bad day, but it it did turn out to be one of the one of my best days in terms of helping me shift or pivot the way I was living my life.
1: So I want to ask you about some business stuff. But so to be clear, you were on a bicycle and were hit head on by an SUV.
2: Yeah. So I was. I thought I was being so smart, Jim. I went out to a company meeting. We were out in New Mexico, and I'm based in New Jersey. And I thought, well, I'm going to bring my bike out to get some exercise, avoid the hotel gym, you know, because they were going to torture us with PowerPoint in a conference room at a random hotel in New Mexico. And I was like, I'm going to cross New Mexico off the States. I've ridden my bike. And I mapped out this two mile loop out the back of the hotel, up the main drag. And on the fourth lap, I came around the bend and a white Ford Explorer was fully in my lane the police estimate that he was going about 40 miles an hour and I thought he was going to see me and move. He never moved. He never saw me. And I remember the sound of me hitting his grill into the windshield. I went the sound. I, that sound was incredible. The screech of his brakes and the thud I made as I came to the asphalt below. And of course that knocked me unconscious, but when the EMT has arrived you, with your cycling background, you know, I, I could only ask the one question that a cyclist would ask in that moment. I asked the EMTs like, hey, how's my bike?
1: Oh, my Lord.
2: <laughs> and and I was it was, my desperate, it was my desperate attempt to cut the tension at the accident scene with a little humor because I knew things were not good based on how the EMTs were reacting. I was in the worst pain of my life. What I didn't know, it was how much of everything I broke. And I broke a whole bunch of everything. But what really made it a life and death situation was when my left femur shattered, it lacerated the femoral artery. So the doctors told my wife after my first surgery, it lasted about 12 hours, had your husband been 10 years older or not in in shape, he would have died before he got to the hospital because he would have lost too much blood. So for whatever reason, I lived that day and i promised myself as i as they put me on the helicopter to take me to albuquerque that if i lived i would change the way i was living my life i would stop chasing happiness because i was doing a lot of that chasing happiness comparisonitis stuff and this was before like social media yeah so had this happened like during the, the current days of social media where it's so easy to have fomo or compare ourselves unhealthily you know unhealthy way to other people probably would have been worse. But I, I did a lot of that chasing happiness. I'll be happy when I get promoted, I get buy the new car. I'm a big Zig Ziglar fan. I sort of grew up listening to him on the radio in my early sales days. And he would talk about living a do have be life where the do is the hustle and grind. Although he didn't call it that back then. And the have was to have the material possessions, external merit badges, and then you'll be happy. And I was doing a lot of that, sort of living life, you know, by the script that I thought society wanted me to live by. I thought I was, you know, playing it to a T. And then my accident happened because I was, I was pouring a whole bunch of stress inside. And my life wasn't bad, but I, I was very stressed inside. And I was wearing that armor or mask that so many people wear today, you know, showing up thinking, hey, we're all good, but, you know. There's like a storm brewing within.
1: Right. Um, what were you doing, um, you know, for a career when the accident happened? And, and what are you doing now? Like, was there a big shift there?
2: Yeah, there was a pretty big shift um, in, in some ways. So back then I was the marketing director for my company's flagship drug. So I had a I had a high profile job within my company. And I would often say, like, if my brand sneezed, the whole company caught the flu because we were the reason we came over from Japan to the States. So I had like a lot of responsibility. I was 33. My daughters were young, three, three and a half years old, seven months old. We had been married seven years. So on the, on the surface, if you stalked me on LinkedIn, it would be like, yeah, pretty good guy, like good career. And, but I thought as the leader my old worldview, I had to have all the answers. So I was playing Superman at work, also playing Superman at home thinking, well, the husband, the father, the provider also has has to have all the answers. And so I did that line of work for a while, but eventually like when I got out of the hospital finally and I got back to work, I got back to work with more intentionality and more coming to work on my own terms with my own script. And eventually, I got to the executive suite. I became the youngest member of our executive uh, committee, and I was working at the time for a top 20 pharmaceutical company. But I knew along the way, Jim, that I would eventually get into executive coaching, inspirational speaking, and really helping other people avoid their SUV, if you will, try to help them have their last bad day. It was a question of not like if I was going to do it or not. It was really a question of when. And I was growing my career and doing a good job and, you know, really learning how to like manage my career in a different way. And then in 2014, I decided to leave because I knew my values could not be honored at the company anymore. I just knew like the universe had given me one additional sign that really, you know, told me like, hey, you're, you're ready to start your own company.
1: That's awesome. So when did you start your own company? When was that?
2: So 2014, so we just turned five years old, and which, you know, is a pretty big accomplishment as an entrepreneur, because, you know, I think more than half of businesses that are started don't make it to the five year mark. And I'm really grateful that I have such a great network and a good community around me. And obviously, the support of my wife and my girls who are not three and a half years old or seven months old anymore. They're now in college and you know, so I love my time in corporate America and, and the impact I was able to make. And I love my time now because what I can do is share my corporate experience with other sales and marketing executives, but also share my story to help them live, you know, a rich life, not only at work, but also at home.
1: Wonderful. So you got a book. In fact, I think you got a few books out, but um, one of them, Shift, Creating Better Tomorrows, um, winning at work and life. Is that your most current book, Michael?
2: No, I came out with my memoir. That's my memoir, Shift, Creating Better Tomorrow's in 2017. And that's the one I donate all the proceeds to World Bicycle Relief. And that was that was a big thing because, you know, as you know, as a memoir, you're putting your whole self out there. So it's, you know, you hope people like it. And luckily a lot of people liked it. And a lot of people asked me to write more about. Well, how do you do it? Like how do you how do you try to rebound and respond to those bad moments so they don't hijack you and they don't turn into a bad day. So, recently I just came out with a new book called My Last Bad Day Shift and this is a a, a quicker read. It's, it's it's filled with like practical advice that people can really pick up and implement right away. Different rituals and routines during the morning and the at work and in the evening. And so just good thought provoking questions on how we can manage our energy better. So that just came out, yeah, a few weeks ago. And it's already, you know, so luckily I've gotten some really good feedback on it because it's quick and it's practical and people love the whole concept of being able to be more resilient and have a life of gratitude and not let those bad moments really hijack our days.
1: Yeah. I was also, I want to ask you about the um, couple chapters in the book, Um, but I was also a huge Zig fan. I met him, um, a year before he died. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a highlight. I mean, I got a picture of me. He was, you know, he was, you know, in a wheelchair at that point. And, um, but you know, I got a picture bent down. He signed a $20 bill for me.
2: (laughs) Oh, how cool is that? That's awesome.
1: And I got to tell him, I said, uh, I I just want to let you know, one of the reasons I admire and respect you so much is you're not afraid to share your faith in a business setting. And it's just like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And he just had a big smile. He, went, he wasn't real talkative, but yeah, I was, I was so happy to meet him.
2: I would have loved to have a moment like that. And so that's, that is very special. He, he, he was my, um, yeah. he was my partner as I drove my territory, you know, for folks that are out there who are sales representatives, a sales rep job when you have a big territory can be a very lonely job. Yeah, You know, it's just you and the car and the highway and you go visit your customers So I had Zig in the passenger seat for many of those miles in my early 20s as I learned how to become a professional sales rep. And it really, you know, his work, although I didn't practice it like I should have, um, but he was getting through. And so when I had my accident and, you know, and I started my recovery, I tapped into a lot of his wisdom. So although, again, I didn't practice his preaching religiously before my accident, very much served a great purpose as I was, you know, working my way through my recovery.
1: Right. Uh, Michael, we got about 10 minutes left. I got so many questions I want to ask you in, in your book, um, shift. There's four chapters I wanted to ask you but I could probably maybe one or two. So I'll give you the choice of gestures of kindness, flying precious cargo, fighting against reality and mind over matter. Let's go with the last two. Can you talk about fighting against reality? What that's about?
2: Yeah. So I, this is all about acceptance. And in the early part of my recovery, gym, I would sit, I would stew rather, <laughs> I'd sit and stew in the hospital. I was in traction on a lot of meds. And I would have this argument over and over again, around how unfair the accident was. And the fact there wasn't really an accident at all. The guy had a revoked license shouldn't have been on the road. He wasn't being a responsible driver, and I would get all worked up in a lather, having this argument with reality, like this didn't happen, this shouldn't have happened, and wishing it was different. And then I finally realized, and what I write further about in the chapter is, you know, in order for us to move forward, we, one, have to have awareness, but two, we have to have acceptance for what is, you know, and and sort of in the spirit of it, hey, it's like this, Michael, you were in a very bad accident this happened and all you're stewing and all you're arguing with reality isn't going to change the fact that you're in your position right now because, you know, reality wins hundred percent of its arguments. So for me, in order for me to move forward, I really had to have acceptance, which is not like tolerating something, but accepting what is in the present moment. So then we can take purposeful action beyond that. So I share that in that chapter around just my, that big argument with reality I was having and how some of the people around me sort of fed it. They were like, yeah, man, poor you. And I played that victim victim loop story in my head multiple times, but that was not helping me get further in my recovery at all.
1: You know, when, um, when I after so after my uh, unemployment and then cancer, I mean, I was already like 40 grand in debt when I started my first business, and that grew to, mul- to over six figures of credit card debt. I don't know why I laugh when I say that. <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, part of what kept me going, cause it, it, it actually took me a full year to get my first client. Up, and people, well, how'd you keep going? I said, because I knew someday I was going to meet my maker and he was going to say, what made you think it would be easy? Number one, I also knew I was destined to be an entrepreneur. And therefore, uh, for me to give up was just unconscionable. And I kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And then I got my first client and I second, third, fourth, and I started growing from there. But it was such a test. And I think that's probably what you, I'm guessing chapter eight, mind over matter speaks to that kind of resiliency a little bit.
2: Absolutely. I I knew I had to get my mind right, Jim, in order to get my body right. And, I, you know, this is, again, 2001. This is before the internet really, like, blew open. This is before LinkedIn and Facebook and all that, before TEDx talks. But I just knew, you know, being an athlete all my life, how important mindset was. And I had forgotten about it in the early part of my recovery, and I knew I had to get back to that, that if we can worry ourselves sick, which we often do, then maybe we can think or believe ourselves well. So I knew I had to get my mindset right, sort of move forward. And a lot of times our mind quits before our body does. So that was the starting point. That was sort of like my Mediterranean or Baltic Avenue on the monopoly board of my recovery. I was like, okay, let's get our mind right. Let's get, let's frame our day. Let's like show up with more gratitude, more empathy, more courage. And each day we're gonna work really hard and we're gonna create a better tomorrow. So the work we put in today is going to make tomorrow possible and we're going to work hard tomorrow because it's a gift. And then the next day is going to be a little bit better and a little bit better day over day over day, week over week over week. Then, you know, you look in the rearview mirror and you're like, wow, you've made a lot of progress. And that's, that was really the mind over matter part of my, part of my recovery.
1: Michael, what are some concrete steps that uh, our listeners can take here, like when they have bad moments, because they they will occur? Um, I told you in the green room before we went live, my wife and I were driving our boat down and we came out of New York Harbor after seeing the Statue of Liberty so close. I couldn't believe it. And then we, we got into some six foot waves, which bounced us around. Bad. <laughs> so I'm not saying life is all sunshine and roses. That was a bad moment, but um, how, how can people prevent bad moments from turning into bad days?
2: Yeah. Great question. And I, like bad moments are going to happen. I, I have them too. And again, I don't want them to like turn into bad days. So here's the, Here's this simplest tip that everyone can do, and it's to grab a PBR. But by that, I don't mean a Paps Blue Ribbon. So um, it's something that I learned in my recovery, and it's all connected to your breath. So a PBR for me represents pause, breathe, and reflect. So when we have that bad moment, when the waves are six foot high, and the traffic is bad, and we're gripping the handlebars, like what happens to our breath is that we 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 shorten it, it gets shallow or we start to breathe quickly, we can hyperventilate, and we forget that we're in control of our breath, and when we can connect with it because it's always with us, things can slow down. It gives us a really great pause, just nice big inhales, count of four, count of six, hold, exhale for a similar time frame, and then that gives us a chance to be responsive, to be reflective, to think about, okay, Hey, it is like acceptance, some awareness. Now what type of action do I want to take? So for me, like the first step in all of this, when we have our moments, when we get triggered is to try to hit the pause button, connect with our breath and try to be more thoughtful about our next action or the next thing that comes out of our mouth. It's so simple. And it's something that we, often forget as professionals in business or just you know everyday life but we see it in sport a lot you know every time someone's at the free throw line they take a deep breath before they dribble the ball and try to shoot so we could use more of that in our lives so that's a simple thing that everyone can use that could go a long way to prevent those bad moments from turning into a bad day yeah
1: yeah You had a blog post um, on July 28th. You got a really nice website, by the way. It says, don't be be stuck on Band-Aids. What's that about?
2: Well, so when our girls were really younger, uh, at least one of them, I won't mention her name because I don't want to embarrass her, but I sort of did in the blog post. But um, she would put Band-Aids on everything, right? And, you know, we sort of entertained that. But oftentimes, as adults, we try to put Band-Aids on things, thinking that the Band-Aid will help the pain go away but in reality it doesn't if we want a really rich life sometimes we need to exercise the emotional labor to dive deep and really get to the core of the issue that a band-aid won't solve it and hey in my recovery i had a whole bunch of band-aids i was covered in band-aids or bandages and they never really went made the pain go away they covered up the wound you know, so it wouldn't get worse. And Band-Aids in our, you know, professional life sometimes do that. And a lot of times we do that as a professional, whether entrepreneur or corporate, we put a Band-Aid on something and then we will we'll deal with it later. But if we really want to have great success, the type of dream business that we all want, sometimes it's better not to put the Band-Aid on and just dive deep and really try to like work the issue at its core so we can ease the pain and move forward and, and for it to heal for it to heal in the proper way.
1: Okay. I got time for one more question, I think. Um, w- w- Cause you got such a corporate background, you know uh, I guess pharmaceutical is what you said, plus the entrepreneurial background. What can terrible bosses teach us about leadership?
2: Oh wow. Whole bunch. So <laughs> we'll have to do a whole other show, Jim. So yeah, right. I just, I recently did a blog post for salesforce.com. And I think the big thing, the big takeaway is that, we can we can get some very valuable lessons even in our with our terrible bosses. Though there's some beautiful things if we shift our perspective. A lot of times we get hijacked and we just want to fight our terrible boss, like he or she is just a a bad person, and we get stuck in this funk. But if we can take a step back, maybe grab a PBR or two, and think about okay, why is that person in my life right now, and what's the lesson? from all this that i can gather so i've you know i've had some choice bosses over my corporate life and they've all taught me some wonderful things the good bosses have as well and so i I think the the basic thing is like don't discount a bad boss he or she has something to teach you if you can stay in the moment and really discover what that is
1: that's awesome It, it really is about um perspective i think also um you know what I mean? When you're dealing with something, how does it? You because we tend to, I don't know, woe is me, but look at our own individual, But how does it? How does the? How does this play a bigger picture in my life, my family, you know, my community, everything like that? And um, it's interesting sometimes. And I, I haven't had a lot of bad days since you know for several years now, I guess. But um, you know, when I think about I, I think it's probably gonna sound weird when I think about how insignificant I am in the overall scheme of uh, life. Yeah. It then, then whatever I think is big becomes small. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's kind it of how makes I-
2: perfect sense. I'm a big, uh, growing up, I used to go, I used to love to go to the planetarium. So I love the night sky. And whenever I have a moment where I think my problem is bigger than the universe I try to go outside and I'm outside of New York. So there's unfortunately a lot of light pollution, but if I'm in the country and you look up at the big sky, sometimes our problems look pretty insignificant uh, compared to that. So I think, I think you're right, Jim. It's a lot of about this is perspective and our ability to shift perspective. When we feel we're stuck on one, one belief or one worldview and we we're not moving forward. Sometimes it's best to take a step back, shift that perspective, and try to see things from a, you know, from a, from a different angle, that could be all we need to move forward. Awesome.
1: Michael, what a pleasure. You're right. We're going to need another show to, uh, to get it all done. Um, how can people uh, connect with you, learn more about you, reach out to you, get your book?
2: Yeah. The best way, Jim, is to go to my website, which is Michael O'Brienshift.com, and they can check out the new book there. It's free. Just, you have to pay shipping and handling. Or they can sign up for my blog post there that comes out every Sunday. But that's the best bet, MichaelOBRIANSHIFT.com.
1: Perfect. Michael, thank you so much. I'm I'm glad you're well and and on on the way to full mend and and a full life with with a good mindset.
2: Well, thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me on.
1: My pleasure. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Michael O'Brien. Again, check him out at MichaelO'BrienShift.com. Uh, If you and I are connected only on this podcast, fix that grievous area. My my main website is getjimpalmer.com. I have a free Facebook group called Build Your Dream Business Now. The way to get there is dreambizgroup.com, dreambizgroup.com. But that's it for this week. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. You take good care.